When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. My 7 Chakras, episode 241. To get out of your head and into your heart. The 7 Chakras, swirling vortices of energy, positioned throughout our body, from the base of the spine to the crown of the head. For thousands of years, this ancient wisdom has been passed on from master to disciple. What are the functions of these energy centers? And could these chakras help you unlock your destiny and find your true purpose? Welcome to My 7 Chakras. And now, your host, Aditya Jai Kumar. What's up, Action Tribe? AJ here, founder and host of My 7 Chakras, the show where we dive deep into the ancient world to provide you nuggets of wisdom to transform your life. Now, if this is the first time that you're listening, then know that you have arrived at the correct episode and the correct podcast. So be ready for some action. Now, before that, especially if this is your first episode, I want to remind you of the My 7 Chakras reading list that features some of the most popular books recommended on the show. Thousands of you have already downloaded the document, but some of you aren't able to locate it, right? So I've received messages and some emails uh, from people saying that I'm not able to find, uh, you know, find out how to download the reading list. So if this is you, then listen carefully. The link you need is my7chakras.com forward slash reading list. That's my7chakras.com forward slash reading list. Once you land on the page, you just hit the orange button that says, yes, download link, please. The box opens up and then you share your best email address and download the uh, link because the link will be emailed to you in a few minutes. Now, we've got... Uh, some of the top uh, books on the list, uh, some of them including The Alchemist by Polo Coelho, Hands of Light by Barbara Brennan, Energy Medicine by Donna Eden, and Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill, one of my favorite books. So if you've found it hard um, so far to make a note of the books that I shared on the show, then you're going to love this uh, reading list. Once again, the link is my 7 forward slash reading list. But if you still can't download it, then send an email to me at aj at my7chakras.com. And with that out of the way, I want to welcome our featured guest for today, who's appearing on our show for the second time around, Julie Zuzek. Julie, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for having me, AJ. It's great to be here. Great to be back. <laughs> Wonderful. So are you ready to inspire? I absolutely am. 100%. Super. So, Action Tribe, if you don't know already, Julie Zuzek, best known for her edgy podcast, Conscious Business with the Corporate Yogi, Julie is a highly sought-after business coach and helps entrepreneurs build successful businesses. Julie fuses Eastern and Western techniques and helps people conquer fear, limiting beliefs that stand in the way of success. Action Tribe, like I said before, this is Julie's second appearance on our show. The first time she joined me was way back on episode 26. So you can imagine it's been a while. To listen to that episode first, visit my7chakras.com forward slash 26. That's my7chakras.com forward slash 26. But if you have already listened, then let's begin today's episode. Julie, once again, thank you so much for taking your time uh, to join me. Oh, thank you. It's always such a 
pleasure. There's always so many things that we have to talk about, isn't there? <laughs> oh, absolutely. It's been a while and I have got a ton of questions for you. We did a webinar a couple of months back and I know as far mm-hmm. as retreats are concerned, you're the go-to person. So I've got some questions and I'm sure our listeners have some questions as well. But before that, I want to ask you, what is your favorite inspirational quote these days and how do you apply that in your life? Mm, well, I'm, mine is really simple and very straightforward and it is to get out of your head and into your heart. And, you know, I, I read this years ago in a book uh, mm. called Conscious Business, actually. And they talked about the, the toughest journey that we ever make in life is that 17-inch journey from our head into our heart. And if you can really learn to reprogram yourself to always be making decisions mm. from your heart, from what you believe in, from what your purpose is, we always make better decisions. And that leads to a more fulfilling life. Wonderful. I love that quote. In fact, uh, much of my journey as well over the last couple of months, uh, especially is about learning more about the power of the heart. And what I found is especially the uh, ancient in ancient China, uh, there was no separate mind and there was no separate heart and they refer to it as the heart mind. So mm-hmm. for them, it's always about, you know, looking deep within your heart and uh, really tapping into the not only the mental aspects of the heart, you know, the ability to make a decision like you've uh, suggested, but also the therapeutic aspects of the heart because the heart can really heal, uh, reduce pain, uh, help you conquer worries, help you get out of your comfort zone and help you uh, overcome that imposter syndrome that sometimes you might have, especially if you're becoming a leader and trying to host retreats all around the world. So we're going to get into those wonderful mindset or heart set topics as well. But I want to know, Julie, uh, uh, your story, how did you get into retreats? Mm. Well, you know, as as often happens, it's something that you just sort of uh, dive into because I've always loved travel. Mm-hmm. And it was a bit of a perfect storm, you know, when we do an exercise to figure out your zone of genius. Well, you know, I've, I'm obviously I'm a yoga teacher, so I love teaching. I also love running workshops. And I, you know, I'm really big into personal development. So I love to teach people how to grow and to learn about themselves because that's the greatest intelligence you can have to live your life and then I also love to um, do event management and so I have about 15 years in marketing and my background in working in um, corporate event marketing and so I had that experience to actually host an event and how to market it and how to sell it and And I loved that aspect of really creating a unique experience that I knew would reach out and speak to someone in their heart about what they wanted to do. And Mm -hmm. so I kind of mashed up all those different things together and said, well, it's just kind of a natural fit for me to run retreats. I love teaching. I love transforming. I love empowering people. And I love to travel. Who doesn't love to travel? Mm -hmm. And so... Running retreats for me just kind of was a natural thing. It came easy to me. And um, I started small as, you know, I often give advice to people, you know, start small with either a one-day retreat, a workshop, or a weekend retreat. And then as I grew in success and more confidence from that and built my community, then I started to run destination retreat got it well thanks a lot for sharing so what i'm getting from what you're saying is three things one is the power of travel you know i think uh, humans uh, innately are travelers that's how we you know find used to find food and water and used to travel as groups as tribes from one place to another and that's how we evolved so innately we are travelers and every time we travel or hop on a bus or take a flight we feel that 
or at least i feel that level level of excitement uh, and that renewed sense of adventure about knowing myself and that's the second thing you spoke about which is you know the importance of knowing yourself sometimes we travel across the world but we don't know so much about ourselves so it's important to know about yourself and also community you know this wonderful aspect of traveling uh, finding yourself and being amongst people who know like and trust you so in retreats you get all of that so julie thanks a lot for sharing your background and how you got into retreats but why should a person consider hosting retreats in 2017 and beyond mm-hmm. well i think for primarily it's something that i quite often you know as i started to promote and sell my own retreats i found that i had so many people come to me and say that's what i want to do i've always wanted to do that and it's just it seems to be this deep Deep, deep calling that people have mm-hmm. in their heart. And, you know, as I'm sure you've experienced, you know, we're really at a place in in our world right now in a, in a space and time where people are craving connection. And so the purpose of running a retreat really is, and, you know, I always talk about your big P purpose and your small P purpose. So your big P is your intrinsic motivator. It is your calling in life. And so primarily, for people to connect to that it's about really transforming people it's about creating community and it's about you know expanding your services so for example if you're a yoga teacher and you teach regularly that's great but it's time to sort of challenge you to go to do something new or take that next step into something creative and then the small p purpose is it's you know it's just a really fantastic way to be able to make a large amount of money in a small period of time and you know quite often just because we're doing something that is in service of others and we're helping others, we, you know, we don't think that we're justified in being able to make money. But you know, since you're a big fan of Think and Grow Rich, that there is um, nothing more sacred and holy than being able to make money doing what you love. And the money that you make is just a reflection of the great amount of people that you are helping and serving. And so I, I really want people to focus on it in two different ways is to focus on how you're helping, how you're inspiring and motivating and building your community, and then also how you are going to uh, facilitate your money to, or your business to be able to be more um, financially viable. Wonderful. Well, thanks a lot for sharing that. Uh, the way I look at it as, as well is uh, money is something that amplifies what you are already doing or what you're already good at doing, right? So if you if your innate nature is to serve, uh, money will help you do more of that. And so it's so important to not only to be able to make money, but use that money to do what you love. So I love how you broke it down, the big P and the small P. Now, uh, you know, I'm sure our listeners are listening to you and trying to visualize or imagine what are some of the retreats that they can host. So could you give us sort of like a breakdown of some of the different types of retreats that people can can host? Yeah, well, I you know, I think quite often when we hear the word retreat, most people do by default think of a yoga retreat. And so they have in their mind a vision of being at a tropical beach location near a body of water, maybe near the ocean or the sea and um and doing yoga every day and just being very zen and very calm and that is a beautiful way to to run a retreat but i also don't want people to be restricted by that because i do know quite a few people who actually don't like being in warm tropical locations and so what i always like to teach my community is that 
a retreat can really be built on anything that you are truly, fully passionate about. So you could take people to Tuscany and do a wine tour. That's an amazing retreat. You could do, um, you could go to Costa Rica and do an adventure uh, retreat and do lots of zip lining and lots of hiking and lots mm. of exploring. You could do a surf retreat. You could do uh, a, one of my clients. Um, she runs a global book club, so she had a bunch of her book club leaders come together, and we helped her to create a leadership retreat. So it was like part um, empowering them to really live their purpose. It was part of a, hey, thank you for serving the community and being such a great leader, but also here's um, some tools that are going to help you succeed in your business mm-hmm. uh, and, and really building a community better. So so uh, what I want is people to open up their minds, so look at the things that you are passionate about, and if it's something that you love, whether that's yoga or hiking or adventure or books or painting or writing, then you are going to be able to find a tribe of people that love that too. And then you design the experience around that, around that shared common passion or purpose. And that is one of the most powerful ways to really run a retreat because it's an investment for people. So you Mm. want to make sure that they're actually doing something that they love and something that really specifically speaks to them because you know quite often when people look at making an investment in a retreat they're comparing it to an all-inclusive vacation or renting an airbnb in some random place but there's so much more that you get out of a retreat that Mm -hmm. we want to make sure that people are understanding so that they can differentiate and say okay well this is this is worthwhile doing this versus just going you know away with a couple of my friends and and renting a place on our own Mm -hmm. got it so so many different types of retreats that are possible. Action Tribe, I hope you're taking note because what I've heard is hiking, surfing, wine tasting. You can do a leadership retreat. I've even heard of people doing like a nurse retreat where they bring together nurses or aspiring nurses and do a retreat. So it really depends on what you're passionate about or where your expertise lies. Now, uh, Julie, my question is what skills does it take to really host a retreat? Uh, you know, uh, I'm guessing that you have to be an expert at something, correct? Yeah, I would say, you know, it is nice to have that one thing that you can go and really be inside your zone of genius to teach and share. But having said that, I do actually know people who are just very passionate about travel. And so I don't know whether you consider that an expertise, because <laughs> I think that's okay. something that comes very naturally to to me and to many people but just you need to have a one thing that you are really really good at and that might be the ability to um, be very outgoing and very social and be able to gather up lots of lots of people to do an event and so quite often I have people who come forward and they um, they just want to organize trips and go on on, you know, a tour somewhere, and that can be a fantastic retreat. And so those are skills that you wouldn't maybe think of as, you know, yoga or Reiki or some sort of modality or coaching, Um, but it is an actual skill in terms of being able to bring a group together and really Mm. have that shared common purpose. But but it is nice to have, you know, something that you do get to share. And so obviously yoga, as we mentioned, is a great one. Uh, I see a lot of energy healers and um, mediums who like to do a retreat because they tend to have a very large and very loyal following of people who are fascinated in that kind of work and want a deeper dive. Uh, there's also a lot of personal trainers, uh, fitness experts, people who are, who are nutritionists who want to take yeah. their information and help people deep dive. Uh, I know someone who's uh, done a retreat on digestive health. So the whole thing is really focused on eating better and really building up that gut health. I also have people 
who are psychologists who have done a grieving retreat. So pulling together a bunch of uh, couples who have lost a young child. And so they have that opportunity to to um, to join together and help each other through the grieving process. So it needs to have maybe not expertise, but I would say it needs to have a focus of what it is that you're going to do that is that um, one aspect that is going to interweave and bring people together for a common purpose. Got it. So Action Drive, if you are listening, or maybe if you're not driving right now, but if you're sitting somewhere, uh, try to think about some idea that you have in your mind of a retreat. Uh, again, the, the goal is to open up your mind and not be limited to some of the popular retreats that are already being hosted, like yoga retreat or maybe like a Reiki retreat. But open up your mind and try to figure out what type of retreat you can host. But also, Julie, when people tend to open up their mind, when people tend to visualize or imagine what the possibilities, quite often what also happens are some challenges that come about, right? So the mind starts saying, you know, you can't do this or there are some roadblocks that come in front of them and you know and then they say okay maybe it's not for me so i want to go or maybe talk about your journey what are some roadblocks that you faced along your journey of hosting retreats what are some things that newbie retreat hosts might want to look out for as they plan on hosting these retreats yeah, well, I have a whole set of saboteurs. So for me, I identify as saboteurs, your ego, your monkey mind, your mini me, uh, mm. that little part of you that is always giving you, you know, the imposter syndrome or those negative messages. And I have a specific posse of uh, retreat leader saboteurs that I identify. And so some of those often very, very common messages that people hear are, who do you think you are? You know, they have that pedestal complex, like, you're not ready yet to do this. Um, nobody's going to want to go on retreat with you, or you're not special enough, or you're not an expert enough. You might have done your teacher training, but you might think, oh, well, I have to have this, this, and this also as training and certification to be ready. And so our mind can come up with all these excuses as to why you can't do it. And so what I always say to people is get really clear presence it and write it down or tell someone else and really take the power away from those negative messages because they are not your reality. Um, They are just trying to hold you back and keep you in your comfort zone. And so those are pretty much some of the common ones. A lot of people also have a fear of being able to sell it. And so Mm -hmm. that's kind of why I've come up with a a five-step process that people can walk through to guarantee demand for their retreat. But that's, a, I would say, that probably the most common one is, what if I create it and no one comes and then I'm stuck with this, you know, retreat going away on my own or, you know, Mm -hmm. worse yet, losing money depending on how they've set things up. So that's probably the most common. And the second most common is when people feel like, they are, they care so much. They want to have such a transformative experience. They worry that the experience that they provide people isn't going to live up to that person's expectation. And mm-hmm. so that's another big fear that people have. Got it. Got it. So what yep. I'm getting is, first of all, what's important is to, you know, think about some of the questions uh, or some of the doubts or worries that you have in your mind. Maybe write them down and to figure out whether these are rational uh, issues or whether it's just your mind trying to keep you within your comfort zone. And then I'm guessing that you have ways to overcome them uh, by either, you know, taking corrective measures or just, uh, you know, uh, acknowledging that this is just your mind trying to keep you within your comfort zone. Correct? 
Absolutely. And, you know, this is why being part of a community is so very important. And I know you have such a great community and and it's great for people to be able to comment, whether it's in the Facebook group or tell a friend or a colleague or anyone else. If you start to have that conversation, you realize that other people are scared in the same way that you are and you're not alone. And so that really helps people to put things into perspective, to recognize that, you know, they're not the only one that is going through this and that is experiencing that level of fear. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing is to really connect, stay connected to your purpose, which is why it's so critically important to have that big P, that intrinsic motivator. Because when you get to those places, when your mind chatter is so bad, you just want to run home, crawl under your covers and never do anything scary again. When you have those moments, what we have to do is we have to get out of our own mind. We have to stop thinking about ourselves and our fear. And we have to be courageous to connect to the people who we are meant to serve. Because if you can connect to that purpose, to those people out there who are really, really in need of you to step up into this leadership position and create this experience for them so that they can transform and heal and evolve and grow, then you can often find the courage that you need to take those steps forward. And so the courage to really help those people always supersedes the fear that we have that something bad is going to happen so stay connected to those people and how much they need you got it so it's all about the focus right if you focus just on yourself and the worries that you have and you think about it's just me 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 that's when you sort of start to doubt yourself but if you focus on the audience or your audience and try to figure out how you can help them and where they are in their journey that's when you can experience that that shift. Absolutely, because they need you, right? Just mm-hmm. like your listeners really come to depend on you and have this relationship with you. Maybe you don't talk regularly. It's only a one-way conversation, but they still yeah. have come to depend on you, AJ. And it's the same thing with a retreat. If we can get out of our head and just connect to those people who really really need us, that can help us to summon up that courage to move forward. Got it. Now, you've suggested that you obviously want to help your students and you've sort of created a step-by-step process towards hosting a retreat. So could you uh, talk to us about some of the major steps that one would take when they're trying to host a retreat or planning for the retreat? Yeah, well, what I've done is because, like I said, planning retreats came easy to me, but then as I started to see other people go through it and, and, and say that they wanted to, but they didn't know how, I realized that this was something that I had as a gift. There's other things in my life I've really challenged with, like running the podcast was really hard for me, but retreats, uh, thankfully came easy to me. So what I did is I just sort of broke down the entire process into five separate steps. So, uh, I'll go through them really quickly. So we start with visioneering. And so visionary is kind of our dreaming phase. It's where you get clear on your purpose. You create a retreat avatar, right? Because you're not trying to serve everyone. You're trying to serve that specific person who has that shared common interest. You want to do a little research to get clear on when it is and where it is that you want to host this retreat. And you also do, and this is a fancy term, but I call constellate your network. And that's really just pen and paper and you brain dump all the different people that you know, because here's an important, really, really important statistic. 80%, 80% of people that go away on retreat want to go away with someone that they know. Mm-hmm. And this is really important because sometimes when we go to market something, we're like, where am I going to find these people? Well, guess what? You're going to find them up, up close in your life. They're going to be your students, your clients, your teachers, your friends, your family. People want to go away with someone that they trust. So you need to write down everyone who's in your network so that you know who you're going to market to. So that's the 
one is visionary. Step number two is validating. And this is where we guarantee demand for your treat. So as I mentioned earlier, a lot of people have a fear of what if I create it and no one comes, right? That's a very, very perfectly normal fear. And so what we do is just with other areas, areas of business, we go through a validation process, which means we create a formula of what it is that we want to create for our retreat. We say, I'm going to go out to 30 people. I'm going to ask them if they're interested in doing this for this place, this price, and this time. And if they say yes, then I know that I've got demand. And if they say no, Oh, and I don't have enough demand for that retreat, then I will go back to the drawing board. And so you come up with that formula and say, well, if six or eight people out of 30 say yes, then I know that I've got the right amount of demand for my retreat. So that's a really important process. It also helps us to get more confidence because promoting is sometimes new for people if they haven't really had to sell something. Again, we'll use the yoga teacher example. If you teach at a studio or gym and you just kind of show up and teach your class, you've maybe never built that muscle of what is it like to actually sell or promote something? And so, you know, retreats are going to require you. They do not, unfortunately, some tough love. They do not sell themselves. You can't just put up a poster and expect it to be sold out the next day. It doesn't work like that. Uh, so you're going to have to get used to promoting and having those series of conversations with people to find the right people who are meant to come on your retreat. So that's number two. Step two is validation. The step three is creating. And this is where we, you know, after we validated, we've got the demand. Then we book the venue. We figure out costs. We have various strategies that we use to be able to um, create demand, pricing windows. How do you do an early bird? We get into really a lot of logistics around that and then create your primary marketing piece whether that's you know a web page a postcard whatever that happens to be your booking materials um, and have a method to collect money so we start to get into the nitty-gritty putting on the business yep. hat right having all that stuff prepared so that you look professional when people are ready to sign up and then last two steps are marketing and then selling and so in the marketing phase we actually start to go to what is unique about your retreat. So it's nice to do something that is specific. And we look at what is unique about you, what is unique about your venue, what is unique about the content that you're going to be doing, and how do you communicate through the whole selling cycle of your retreat. And then lastly, selling, we get really specific around strategies for how people make decisions, you know, the psychology of buying, uh, how some people are leapers and they decide right away and how to create a different messaging messaging that will reach each and every one of them. And then I have a, a variety of tools that I teach people uh, that they can use to be able to, you know, go through that selling process. Wow. Thanks a lot for breaking that down for us. So visioneering, validating, mm -hmm. creating, marketing, and selling. You seem to have covered everything that a person would need to know in order to plan and actually execute a retreat and as I you sort of uh, was listening to you share the process uh, I, I was thinking of you know some of the expenses that a person might have to incur in the process of hosting a retreat uh, I think that's one of the main worries that a newbie host uh, might have are the expenses because it seems like a gray area sometimes, especially since some of the retreats tend to be hosted in these wonderful scenic locations, right? Like Bali or Costa Rica and places like that. So what are some of the expenses that a retreat host uh, would have to incur when hosting a retreat? 
Yeah, good question. Insight. Yeah. Yeah, there's lot, lots of things to think about. And, and before we dive into that, though, I want to say I always do strongly encourage, if this is brand new for you, to start small and build. And, and so I would suggest going to your network. And first off, I do actually, one of my tips is to always uh, suggest that people try to partner with someone else. So, you know, if mm. you have a friend or someone who has a different discipline than you, and a different community, ideally, then find them to partner with, and then you can co-host. So it gives you the support as you're selling it. It gives you, uh, you know, you have less time that you have to actually facilitate or teach because you're sharing that responsibility. But you also share the promotion and the sales responsibility. So instead of having to sell, you know, 12 spots, you only really have to sell six because you have a partner that is going to also be out there promoting. So that's one thing I'll Uh, say. Yeah, yeah. So partnering is really powerful. I did it for for my very first retreat as well, um, I had a, and I did it local. That was my other tip that I was going to give is, you know, maybe it depends on how big of a community you have and how loyal of a following and how easy it's going to be for you to sell it. If you do have a little bit of fear around that and not sure whether you're completely confident to sell a retreat, then I would say find a way to recreate that in a, a, a less risk environment. So that might be going to a local uh, a conference center or uh, something that is close to home that isn't involving a flight and other variables that might make it a little bit more expensive or do a one day retreat. And so once you have that sure. experience under your belt, then, um, then you're going to be able to build up your confidence. You're going to be able to replicate that one day retreat, maybe into a bigger capacity and to say, okay, well, this was great to do this weekend or this smaller version. Now we're going to do a bigger version of it next year in Costa Rica. Who's in, right? And so then you've already mm. sort of created that demand and built that relationship. And when you are ready to do a destination retreat, what uh, the reality is is that you're most likely going to have to put a deposit down to secure your space. And yeah. this is you know just natural um, expectation of any retreat centers. It's very common. Uh, it varies. Sometimes it can be twenty percent of the overall cost. Sometimes it can be fifty percent. It is typically negotiable. So definitely talk to the venue and see what they can accommodate. But yes, you will need to put that money down and uh, hold to be able to hold your spaces. Mm-hmm. So that is probably what I would say is the biggest expense. Um, another expense would be your flight. So once you know that for sure this retreat is going to happen, you're going to have to pay for your flights. So you want to make sure that as you're figuring out your margin and your profit of how much you're going to make, that that also includes the cost of your airfare and your your co-host if you have have one, um, yeah. all of those expenses. And then some of the other smaller things like your promotion, your marketing materials. If you're going to, you know, if you have regular classes you teach in person, you might want to have some marketing materials printed out. Postcards are always fun because it gets people excited. If there's a really beautiful visual that's engaging on the front of them, uh, you might do some, some social media marketing, some Facebook advertising, whatever that happens to be, or promotion mm-hmm. in a retreat directory is really powerful too. Nice. So there you go, Action Tribe, a retreat uh, can be really, really exciting as you imagine, as you try to visualize what is that retreat that you can host and where you can host it. So before trying to attempt maybe a destination retreat, if this is your first time, maybe a destination retreat in Costa Rica or Bali or Croatia, I don't know, some amazing location. Before you do that, uh, because a retreat is like a project, it's uh, good to start small so that you can have a 
local retreat so that you learn the process you get the experience you get those initial people who attend the retreat and who then become your advocates and your evangelists for your retreat and also a good idea like julie said is to not try to do it yourself but to maybe get a co-host who can not only co-host the retreat with you but also share the responsibilities of marketing and promoting and selling your retreat so that it becomes like a teamwork and together both of you can learn um, the process of retreats and then attempt those larger destination retreats where you already have people who love what you do and what who you what you stand for so uh, julie i know that you, uh, you you help your students manage energy levels right uh, during this planning mm-hmm. which i'm sure can be very daunting and to help them avoid burnout uh and 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 like you've alluded to you're speaking about this from your experience and to avoid your students going through what you had to go through have you ever ever had this burnout experience uh, when planning or executing a retreat what's what's the story behind that uh well for me personally i haven't but i i do find at the end of a retreat that i do get very very tired and exhausted just because i i give like 110 Mm percent and so you know i I do the teaching i do the workshops from you know there's many different types of retreats some people just kind of want to go away and teach a yoga class in the morning and then the whole day is just like you know run around play on the beach do whatever you want when i run a retreat it's it's slightly different if people are going to come away with me i'm going to be facilitating the whole time and so that takes a little bit more energy to be able to you know run do your meditation your yoga and then your workshops all day and then um you know maybe another yoga or meditation in the evening so my my uh, retreats tend to be very very hands-on like if we're gonna go away we're gonna do some work right that's kind of Mm -hmm. how i approach things so i always uh, uh tend to have a growth hangover at the end of it and so i need to plug a little julie retreat at the end a day or two on my own just to recover and recharge um and then as far as the planning i have seen people get uh not really burnt out but i would say discouraged you know in in terms of the the selling cycle and that's why i always say to people if you're doing a destination retreat have at least eight to 12 months of a lead of lead time and there's lots of reasons you know we go into that retreat yeah yeah you want to make sure because a lot of people especially your travel junkies is the people who love travel, they have their trips sort of planned out in their mind at least a year to two years in advance. And so there's nothing more heartbreaking, AJ, than going to someone and saying, hey, you know, I have this great retreat coming up. What do you think? And they'd say, oh, I would love to do that, but I just booked such and such trip, right? And that is really heartbreaking (laughs) because Mm -hmm. you know they're the perfect person. They want to go, but they already (laughs) have another opportunity. And so as much as we want to dive in and just say, okay, I'm going to do this in three months, you what you do when you do that is you you decrease the amount of people that you can market to because a lot of those people have already booked something and committed to it financially. So you want to give yourself lots and lots and lots of lead time. And so the other thing I teach people is to have different selling cycles. So for example, just like if you've seen any event or workshop or program, quite often there's different price points for, you know, whatever time period you're in. So you have a really aggressive, great, you know, intro price for the early bird. And so what I ask people to do is to really manage their energy levels and say, you're going to do a big blitz for that early bird right up until it expires. And then you're going to take a step back and you're going to regroup. And then for your next price point, you're going to do another pitch again. And so you don't Mm -hmm. promote at 100% the entire selling cycle because you will burn out. But what you want to do is you want to play Plan that out ahead of time so you don't Mm -hmm. feel like you're marketing into the ether each and every day. You want to make sure that you have those dedicated windows 
and manage your energy levels accordingly. Mm -hmm. So thanks, Julie. It seems like you're sharing some really amazing insider secrets with us. And I'm sure that our listeners are loving it as well. And I think what you're sharing can be applied to conferences as well, right? Because I see a lot of conferences uh, being promoted the same way. They do a very, uh, uh, you know, uh, intense early bird promo and then it's it sort of dies out. They stop it. Exactly. And then they, yeah. You know, continue after a couple of months. And that's great as well. You don't want uh, the conference promoter to be promoting all throughout because then the person might sort of wonder why is there so much promo. But at the same time, it encourages and, in, uh, you know, incentivizes people who want to take action early on by giving them a better rate. And those who, de- who, 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 who's, who, who are waiting for that uh, decision about where, whether or not they're going to travel somewhere else, uh, they don't mind spending a little bit more as long as they uh, get that additional time to think about it. So That's right. love yeah. what you're sharing with us. Now, uh, Julie, I want to now move on to the mind, you know, because the mind or the limitations that we have within our mind are uh, is something that can prevent us from taking action. And I think that these questions that I'm going to ask you can be applied not only to retreats, but also to any venture, any business venture, or maybe if you're starting out something new in your life. So uh, hosting a retreat, especially if, you know, for 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 someone who's doing it for the first time, can be a daunting experience. It can be challenging. It can be a bit scary. Uh, so, Julie, in your case, how did you go about stepping out of your comfort zone? Are there any mind tricks or hacks that sort of you used to overcome your fear or self doubt? Yeah, I think for me, I did my probably going back. My biggest fear was it was. My because I did this quite a few years ago and I had just moved to Toronto at that time, so I didn't have a very big okay. community. And so I think the biggest fear I had was, you know, do I have enough people who would be interested in this? And so I think that's why I chose to partner up with someone who had been also teaching in the city and had a really big community and sort of said, Hey, I have the business background and I, you know, I'm happy uh-huh. to run with all the details. Tales. You have a huge uh, global community, so why? You know, that was kind of my pitch to her as to why it would be sure. great for us to kind of partner up together. And so that's how I addressed it. Uh, that was, I would say, my biggest fear. But I do see a lot of other people go through different things because, like I say, I train retreat leaders all the time, and so you know, getting through and getting clear about what that fear is, is so critically important because you have to presence it and you have to know what is causing your fear because that's the only way that we can really lean in and address it. And, Mm -hmm. you know, to your point, you absolutely will be stepping out of your comfort zone. And the other thing is you have to be comfortable with self-promotion. If you're not able to step up and talk about this experience and how incredible it is and what a great opportunity is, then it's going to be challenging for you to sell your retreat. And that's why I always make my students go through the validation phase because they're not only validating, you know, price because, you know, it's different to sell a thousand dollar retreat than it is a a five thousand dollar retreat those are very different experiences and if you create a very expensive high-end retreat but you realize your community is all millennials who don't have a lot of disposable income then you know that you're off track but the other great thing about going through this uh, validation phase is it helps you get a little bit of a like dipping your toe into what it feels like to promote, to self-promote, and to sell. Because, like I said, that's new for some people, and so you want to dip a toe, see what it feels like, get used to it, and then you know you'll know in that moment whether it's something that you you are ready to do or whether you need to go back to the drawing board and and 
and find something else to sort of shore yourself up, whether that's a co-facilitator or two or three maybe of you who want to join together, or maybe it's scaling back and saying, oh, I'm going to do something a little bit uh, closer to home or less risky to build my confidence. And um, so getting comfortable with self-promotion is really important too. Got it. Now, let's talk about something that's similar, uh, similar to the topic of you know going beyond your comfort zone which is the imposter syndrome i'm sure everyone listening might be able to relate to this feeling but not everyone knows what the imposter syndrome really means so what exactly is the imposter syndrome and how how did you go about getting over it or how uh, how did you help your students get over it yeah yeah this is such a great topic and you know i love mindset and and that's what i talk about on my podcast all the time so this is very new dear to my heart. This is one of my favorite things. And so for me, um, mindset is your subconscious blueprint for success. And so all of your beliefs, the stories that you tell, your experiences, they all live at that subconscious level and they determine whether we're able to do something new or not. And so imposter syndrome happens when we're about to step up do something brave, do something new, definitely do something that lives outside of our comfort zone. And when we have that urge or that calling or we have that vision to do something bigger, we quite often hear these negative voices that tell us, you know, that who do you think you are? You're not ready enough to do this. And so it makes us worry and feel that we are a fraud because we aren't qualified enough. And other people... We look at other people, we compare, which is such a bad habit, right? We compare other people and we think, oh, well, this comes so easy to them. And we just assume that they don't have any fear or any self-doubt going on. But I'll guarantee mm-hmm. you that they, that they have or they have in the past. Uh, everyone's dealing with this at some level. So your imposter syndrome is really quite this paralyzing fear that we have that if we do something new or courageous or we step up, that we are going to be called out, we're going to be embarrassed, people are going to find out that we're actually not as qualified or as confident as we are, and we're going to make a Mm -hmm. fool of ourselves. And everyone has imposter syndrome. (laughs) Everyone does. And so I think it's so great. You know, thanks for bringing this up because this is a really important part of retreat leader uh, planning is to do this leadership work as your foundation before you dive in. And I make all my students go through a leadership and mindset module before they dive in because they were like, okay, I know, I just want to start playing. I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> we have mm-hmm. to clear the fear. We have to talk about your comfort zone. We have to talk about your mindset. We have to talk about, you know, self-promotion and how good you are at it and building that muscle before you actually dive in. Because if you have to deal with these things in the moment when you're in the middle yeah. of your selling cycle, then it's going to be a lot harder. So it's better to go through it and know what you're working with. And then we can, you know, have a, a smoother process of creating and selling your retreat. Love that. I love the approach that you have uh, and to deal with the right things first so that you don't get into the latter stages and have your mindset challenges still limiting you from how you can execute so planning first strategy first and only then execution now selling the retreat is one thing and actually hosting and facilitating the event is another skill altogether so firstly what are some of the keys to creating that level of intimacy and trust among your attendees especially since most of them are going to be strangers are there there some things you do or not do (laughs) to make the 
event more fun and intimate, especially on the first day? Yes. Okay, I love this. You're you're touching on all my favorite topics, AJ. This is mm. this is why I love <laughs> I love coming on this podcast because you know we're so in sync. And so that's the one thing I say is you know to create a retreat. What is the one thing that makes a retreat different than just a group vacation or a a trip that you just take randomly with a bunch of people. And to me, it is the facilitation and your step into a leadership role. And, and that is the one thing that really differentiates it because you are going to do all these, uh, at a minimum, these variety of different things to really create that intimacy and trust. So a couple of them I'll give right now, which are yeah. really, really important. Um, first is to always kick off with a designed alliance and an opening circle. So I like to do this at the be very beginning of the retreat, and I give everyone an opportunity. I do a little icebreaker exercise, you know, just to kind of raise the energy and get a little levity in the room, something that gets people moving. Because you're right, there are a lot of people that are either really shy, they have social anxiety, or they just don't know everybody else. In the group, and so you want to have some sort of opportunity where you're asking like a deep dive question, like what is what are you bringing to the retreat? And so that can be a really good open ended question to get people to present some fear. Like for example, one of my retreats in Mexico, I had I had no idea, but during this opening circle, three of the girls said they were terrified of bugs in, in the jungle, right? <laughs> and so once we, once we found that out, then all of a sudden, everyone, it was just so beautiful to see everyone kicked in to say, okay, well, you know what, when you have to walk back after dinner, walk with me, I have a flashlight, I'll make sure that you're safe, right? And so you right. just get everyone that open-ended opportunity to presence their fear or, you know, other people that I've talked to have been through very serious life changes or someone is going through a divorce. And so that is your great opportunity to just invite them to say, hey, we've all brought stuff here. Maybe it's an open mind. Maybe it's excitement and joy from a new promotion. And maybe it's something that is really traumatic for you. So whatever it is, let's just all express that and share that with each other so that we know what we're going through on this journey and we can all support each other in an important way. And so that designed alliance is really or sorry, that those opening questions are important. And then the second piece is the design alliance. And that is uh, called a partnership agreement, rules of engagement. You can really call it whatever you want. But it's just saying, okay, everybody, like what is acceptable as we go through these next few days together? We want to have, what do you want in this space? So people might say, well, we want to have support, honesty, trust, respect. So what is acceptable? And so you also want to say things like, um, cover off logistics like I like to tell people you know your 6 a.m meditation is optional <laughs> you don't have mm. to be there you want right. to three, sleep in you think that you are better served sleeping in and skipping a yoga class then you go ahead and do that don't feel shame that you're not going to be there but if you do um if you do skip it don't disrupt us halfway through kind of thing so you're just actually setting rules of engagements for how you're going to work with each other. And that's a really important thing. And you also want to cover off things that aren't acceptable. So you don't want to have judgment. You know, we want to also normalize crying. That's a big one for me too, because so often right. there's breakdowns and breakthroughs where an intensive, you know, emotional um, exploration and, and change and transformation and things in our cellular body and so emotion comes up and so I always want to normalize emotion and say don't freak out if someone starts crying crying isn't a sign of weakness it's just energy in motion and so that's what I do is I, I like to normalize crying a lot as well and then I have a few other things I go through but then the last thing that's 
that's really, really important is to prepare them for their departure and to reintegrate when they go home. So I feel like I just rambled off a whole, whole lot of information. But the reintegration to go back home is important because when you go away and retreat, you change a lot. You can realize that you go home and you feel like you don't fit with your friends, with your partner, right. with your colleagues anymore because you have all this rich language and these experiences. And so you want to make sure that you take that with care and prepare for that and also um, you know don't try to alienate any of those relationships really bring them into your experience and tell them what you went through so that they don't feel uncomfortable about this new powerful you that has returned home wonderful well thanks a lot for sharing you have shared so much useful and actionable information especially in this last question I was just you know all absorbing what you were sharing and uh, some things that even I can use, even if I don't host a retreat in the near future, although that's on my list, like I've shared earlier with you. But, you know, uh, if you're hosting an event action tribe, just kicking it off with uh, sharing uh, or encouraging the attendee to sh- attendees to share what their fears are, what they look forward to the event, setting the expectations, rule of, rules of engagement, and also uh, addressing what the norms are going to be for this event uh, that is going to take place over the next two to three days. I think those are wonderful uh, tips that you can use in your life as well ju- uh, to ensure that you have a wonderful, intimate, and close and uh, t- uh, together tribe over the next couple of days and I love the quote that you shared Julie which is crying is not a sign of weakness it is energy in motion I've not heard of that before but this is really powerful so uh, Julie uh, you know, now that you've shared so much information so many stories with us all about retreats what is that one action step that you'd like to recommend for our listeners? Mm, well, I want to challenge them. I want to challenge everyone to take a big, bold action to do something today that is taking them one step forward to running their retreat. And that might be announcing on social media that what their dream location is. Maybe they can take a photo and post it and say, hey, someday I want to be hosting a retreat here or next year. Or it might be telling someone about it in person, telling a stranger in Starbucks. Or if anybody is really, really serious about actually getting into, you know, running retreats or doing a workshop or something leading up to it, I have, I do have a free course on my website that I would love people to check out and take. So it sort of builds on and deep dives a little bit into what we talked about today. And so they can find that at retreatu. Dot co, so R-E-T-R-E-A-T-U dot C-O. Awesome. So there you go, Action Tribe, retreatu.co. That is the action step that Julia has given you. Uh, you know, do something today that will take you one step closer to actually hosting your own retreat. For further information, you got to go to retreatu.co and sign up for the challenge that she has in place for you. Action Tribe, I hope you're having a great time learning about retreats today and learning how you can live your life of purpose and grow your movement. And on the topic of leadership and creating a movement, I've got a message for you. Many of you are going through a lot of change in your life, especially when you come back from that retreat, maybe. Uh, most of the change, as we've learned today, happens internally, which manifests externally. In such a situation, there's a tendency for you to want to change others as well. Maybe your family members don't see the opportunities in life that you see. Maybe your co-workers don't support you or believe in your newfound beliefs or ideas. Maybe your close friends don't have the same drive as you do. Don't try too hard because everyone has their own moment of realization of the truth. Don't force it on them because in the end, you will end up draining 
your own energy. And it's important, as we're learning today, to avoid that burnout or to conserve our own energy so that we are able to serve more. Just be receptive, welcoming, and open to any genuine questions or inquiries that they may have about your new found way of life because they will at the right time don't underestimate the influence that your positive energy has on those around you and most importantly have faith in their ability to see the truth and to transform their life just like you did because like johann wolfgang von goethe once wisely said look at a man the way he is and he only becomes worse but look at him as he were what he could be then he becomes what he should be so Just keep that in mind as you take steps in your life, in changing your life and transforming your life. And with that, we've arrived at the last round for today, the wisdom round. Because it's all about action. And we know that action creates momentum that can change your life. So Julie, what is the best advice that someone has ever given you? Mm, To not focus solely on the money. You know, that money, if you need to recalibrate and let go of something, shift gears and then refocus on your purpose, the money will come to you. But stay connected to what you really, really, truly believe in and don't compromise your values. Name one personal habit that keeps you strong and keeps you going. Ah, Meditation, of course. (laughs) (laughs) Great. And what is your morning routine like these days? What do you do in the morning? Yeah, I do a, a little bit of yoga, just gentle stretching. I do my meditation, and then I do uh, my gym workout after that. And then after after the gym, I do a goal, like I run through my goals, my journaling. Um, that's that's sort of the the main schedule that I have these days. Got it. So, name one book that you'd like to recommend for our listeners today. Ah, okay. I have one that I just finished that I absolutely love. And so um, it's the subtle art of not giving an F-bomb. I'm not sure if we, we don't swear on this podcast, do we? Okay. Yeah. So the subtle art of not giving a, and then the F-bomb. It's brilliant. It just, it blew me away. I feel like so many books I've read lately these days just kind of regurgitate a lot of the similar, similar information. And whereas this one was really new, really fresh. And uh, I really, really enjoyed it. So Action Tribe, if you want to listen to this book for free, then know that you can because uh, because of audible.com they're offering Action Tribe one free audiobook download. Now in case you haven't heard of Audible, it's amazing. I listen to Audible books all the time because uh, you know if you're traveling or you're transit or uh, you know if you just can't hold a book, that allows you to do so. Right. Uh, so like I said, audible.com is offering Action Tribe one free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial so that you can get out get to check out their service. Uh, in case you don't know, they've got over 180,000 titles to choose from for your various devices like iPhone, Android, or Kindle. And uh, they also have bestsellers like The Chakra System by Anadia Judith, Autobiography of Yogi by Paramahansa Yogananda, and A New Earth by Eckhart Tolle. And they do have, I believe, uh, this particular book, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Funk, as well. Uh, <laughs> to download your free audiobook today, go to my7chakras.com forward slash free book. Once again, that's my7chakras.com forward slash free book to start listening to your book right away. So, Julie, thank you so much for connecting with me and to appear on the show once again. Uh, uh, before you go. Tell us something that you're grateful for and tell us the best way we can find you. Well, I am always grateful for my family because I am so blessed with such an incredible family. My nieces and nephews, they just bring me so much joy. And um, 
yeah, I just, I really, really want to say thank you. Thank you for, you know, having this conversation with me again, for allowing me to share my passion for retreats and, and really to reach out to people and just say that it is closer than you think. If you have this on the brain, take tiny steps forward today and it will happen and it's not as far away as Wonderful. you really think it is and how do we find you is that's retreat you.com right that you've already shared yeah retreat, yeah so the the url is uh, retreat you.co so r-e-t-r-e-a-t-u dot c-o and i have on there a free opt-in for a retreat leader training that deep dives into all the good stuff that we talked today and a little bit more and there's some mindset work in there. There's lots of good content. So it's a fantastic course. So I highly, highly suggest that. We put a lot of love and a lot of attention into creating it. And it's it's just a lot of fun. <laughs> awesome. So thanks once again, Julie, for coming on our show, talking to us about hosting retreats, both local retreats as well as destination retreats and encouraging us to take that big, bold step by having this challenge and taking us one step closer to a human revolution. I love it. Thank you, AJ. Thank you again for all your great work with this podcast. I love it. You are listening to My 7 Chakras. Go to mysevenchakras.com. Download your free gift, get inspired, and take action. Transform your life today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.